In the name of Jesus, uh, dear friends in Christ, speaking of bodies, uh, how do you feel about your body? Now that might seem like a strange question, a weird way to start off a sermon, but surveys would tell us that most people really aren't too happy with their body. Maybe we feel our bodies are too fat or too skinny, too tall or too short, too young or too old, too bumpy or too lumpy. But the fact of the matter is, is that the human body is one of the greatest miracles that God has ever created. Miraculous. And a couple of human anatomy facts to sort of underscore this principle today. For example, our brains operate on the same amount of power, even while we sleep, as a 10-watt light bulb. And you might think, only a 10-watt light bulb? It doesn't mean we're dull bulbs. No, not by any means. But that's a lot of power for our brains to operate on. The human brain is also made up of 80% water, but yet it also consists of 10 billion nerve cells or neurons. Nerve impulses travel from the brain throughout the rest of the body at speeds of up to 170 miles per hour. Your fingernails grow four times faster than your toenails, but you didn't know that. Share that factoid to the next cocktail party, you'll be a real hit, right? The acid in your stomach is so strong it can dissolve a metal razor blade. Don't try that one at home. We have a half million sweat glands in our body that produce a pint of sweat a day. Now this one I think is pretty remarkable. Our noses can distinguish 50,000 different smells. Isn't that amazing? Our eyes are the same size from birth to death, and yet our ears and our nose grow a little bit each day. Take 17 muscles to smile. 43 muscles to frown. Now, if there isn't a life perspective tip there, I don't know what one would be. Our bodies produce 300 billion new cells a day. And our final fact here is if you would take all your arteries, all your capillaries, all your veins, all your blood vessels, in other words, and join them end to end, there would be enough blood vessels in the human body, one body, to wrap around the equator of the earth two and a half to four times. Or in other words, you and I today are walking around with anywhere from 60 to 100,000 miles of blood vessels in us. And you thought you felt full after breakfast today. But the psalmist says in Psalm 139 that indeed the Lord has made us, each and every one of us, fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we continue in our post-Easter sermon series, The Resurrected Life, where we've been looking at what difference does the resurrection make? What difference does it make that Jesus Christ indeed has risen from the dead? What does it mean to live in his resurrected power and grace? And through this series, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, his first letter. And today, we're going to specifically look at the concept of living the resurrected life. What difference does it make as a part of the body in Christ, as uh, Jennifer read, as detailed through 1 Corinthians 12. Now, Paul, over 30 times in the New Testament, makes reference to the body of Christ. Paul often uses the metaphor of the human body to describe the church, as I talked with the kids about in the Mr. Potato Head lesson there. Now, when we think of the church today, you and me, and if you're asked to describe the first thing that comes to mind when you think of church, for some of us, it might be the building we're in right now. Maybe when we think church initially, we think of St. Michael Lutheran. We think of the wonderful building, the facility that we have, the strategic location that we're at in Canton. And that's fine, but the church is much more than a building. Some of us, when we hear the word church, we may think organizationally. We may think ecclesiastically. We might think word and sacrament. We might think of worship, what we do here each week. But for the non-church, the de-churched person, they may have a very different image of church when they hear that. 
For example, when they hear church, they may think of a building, but it's just the building they drive by every day on their way to work. Or if you ask some people, and somebody's ask people in a certain setting, you know, if they're not church, nominally church, de-churched, you know, be honest. What do you think when you hear the word church? And they'll say, you want me to be honest? I say, oh yeah, be honest. They'll say, well, Tim, we, th- we think boring. Or a bunch of hypocrites. Or something that got dragged to do when I was little. Different people will have different images conjure up in their mind when they hear the word church. But according to the Bible, the church is not an organization. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's an organism. An ever-growing and becoming fellowship. The Greek word in the New Testament is koinonia. An ever-growing, ever-becoming body. It's a community. It's a body of believers with Christ as the head. Gathered around word and sacrament for worship, fellowship, empowered for mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the church is never pictured as a building. There's the old saying that goes like this, the church is what is left after the building burns down. Now, I'm not advocating that by any means, but I think the point is very clear. Now, the church at Corinth that we've been looking at in this sermon series, and that Paul, again, is addressing this 12th chapter of our text to today, they were having a lot of problems, not unlike many of the problems that plagued the church of Jesus Christ of 2018. Specifically here in chapter 12, Paul has a mess on his hands because the church was becoming very divided. The body was conflicted at Corinth because they were arguing about different spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, Paul starts this letter off in verse 1 preceding our text, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. The people, the members of Christ at the church of Corinth were becoming divided over whose gifts were more important, whose gifts were more strategic, and they were grouping themselves or forming themselves into cliques based on those different gifts. And these cliques that were forming were hindering the mission and the fellowship of the work of the church. It was making them less effective in sharing the good news of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for them, what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. Now, it's a good thing today in the modern church today, in the churches of 2018, that we would never, ever have any power struggle in any church, right? No argument over power or influence or whose gift is more important. Uh, Of course not. No, never would happen, right? Never would have a church split. Never would have an argument about the color of the carpet, right? Never would have an argument about the hymnal or the worship style. Well, Paul in our text today from 1 Corinthians 12 reminds the church at Corinth in the love of the resurrected Christ that they are indeed the body of Christ. And we pick up our text at verse 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has ranged the parts of the body, everyone just as he wanted them. So what does that mean for you and me today as we live out our everyday lives as a part of the body of Christ here at St. Michael, as a part of the body of Christ of the worldwide church of Jesus? Well, I think there's five takeaways we can glean from the text today as we try to live in that resurrected power, that resurrection grace of Jesus. What difference does the resurrection make in our life that we celebrated six, six weeks ago as a member of the body of Christ? 
first takeaway about life in the body, living in that resurrection grace and difference is this, that we in the body are all baptized by that same spirit. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, saved by the one and true only God, Jesus Christ. St. Paul reminds us in our text, starting at verse 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and we're given one spirit to drink. In other words, it means there's one Lord. There's one true faith. And there's only one true body to be connected to if you want to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John in chapter 14 of his gospel, verse 6, doesn't say, I'm one of the possible ways, maybe the best way, an alternative way. I'm not one of the possible truths. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Our second takeaway is what does it mean to live in the grace and the power of the resurrection as a member of the body of Christ? And that second takeaway is this. As members of the body, we want those who do not know the true way to become a a part of the body, to know the way, to know Jesus. We want people who are not part of the body to feel welcome in this place, in this body, and if not in this body, in another Bible-believing body. We as a congregation are called to be ever more committed to going out and engaging our community, community and taking the body to them. From our gospel reading today, from John 17, 21, To me, Jesus expresses his passionate desire that all in the world would come to know him, that all would come to believe in him. And he says this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. When we leave this building in a few moments, when we leave this fellowship each and every week, we enter back into the mission field. We're all blessed with 168 hours a week of life every single week. No more hours, no less hours. And once we leave here on a Sunday, for those other 167 hours, we live them at home, in work, in the neighborhood, at school, on the athletic field. We live them in traffic, at Kohl's and Myers and Kroger's and wherever. But we live them out in the mission field. I've used this illustration before, but I think it fits today again. You know, as we leave this building in a matter of minutes and we go out into the parking lot, we will find ourselves in the mission field. We could draw a one or two mile radius out from our parking lot and easily find thousands of people in the greater Plymouth Canton area that don't know Jesus, let alone the tens of millions of people in our country that don't know him. They don't know the power of the resurrected life, let alone the billions, billions with the B of people in the world that don't know him as the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes I think we forget that Jesus loves each and every person, all the billions of people in this world who do not know him. He loves them as much as he loves you and me, and he so desperately wants them to be connected to the body, to know him as the way, the truth, and the life. God is calling us individually as members of the body and the body as a whole here at St. Michael Lutheran to be his ambassadors, to get out of our comfort zone, and to go out into the community and to be in mission. I think it's so easy, I know it is for me, 
despite my best intentions sometimes, to end up living life for myself. Um, it's our natural, sinful, default position. It may times just to be about me, myself, and I, no matter how hard we try not to be. And I think that manifests itself, it plays itself out in the spiritual realm as well. Let me explain. We are saved by grace through faith and kind of Christ. And I hope each and every one of us here today has a personal faith relationship with Christ. Uh, if you don't, Christ wants to enter into your life and create that relationship with you. But it's a personal faith relationship. My faith can't save you, right? Your faith can't save me. Our faith can't save someone else. It's a personal faith relationship. But the Bible never calls it to be done in private. It's a personal faith relationship that's always lived out in community. We have to be concerned about those that don't know the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to think, well, I'm saved and some of my family members are saved or my friends or people that look like me and think like me are saved. But we need to have a passionate desire for everybody that don't, doesn't know Jesus, that they would come to know him by the power of the Holy Spirit and be connected to this body, to be a part of our community. And sometimes that happens corporately as well. Um, I'll, I'll just say very honestly, I feel very blessed to be a member of the body of Christ at St. Michael Lutheran. I'm humbled to be a member here. It's a blessed fellowship. I hope you feel blessed to be a member here at St. Michael Lutheran Church. Uh, I've been a member of a lot of different churches. Some of them I've been on staff, some not. Uh, but this is one of the healthiest bodies of Christ I've had the privilege to be a part of. Does it mean it's perfect? No. There's no perfect bodies of Christ in this faith on this uh, face of the earth, the side of eternity. But I'll tell you, God is doing many good things. It's a healthy body that's committed to growing with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's not perfect. But we can't be content sometimes with, well, I'm a member and I like the people that are here now. I like things the way they are. We constantly have to be engaging our community, getting out of our comfort zone, that we would fill more of these empty seats around you with people who are not yet connected to the body. In other words, we're called in the body, in the church, not to be keepers of the aquarium, so to speak, but to be fishers of men, fishers of people, and using the different gifts, the different abilities, the different stations of life and opportunities that the Lord gives us to positively impact the community by the power of the Holy Spirit, that others would feel welcome to be a part of our body. And that takes us to takeaway number three. So we look at what difference does the resurrected life mean as a part of the body of Christ. And it's this. In the body, we all have gifts. We should not keep our gifts hidden, nor think that our gifts are any more important than someone else. From earlier in chapter 12, at verse 6, Paul reminds those of us who are the members of the body of Christ. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Like an ear, like a foot, like an elbow, like an eye, each gift, each part of the body is important, and it can play a role in carrying out the mission of the church, expanding the body of Christ. And whatever your gift, whatever role you have, as you know the Lord, the Lord has given you spiritual gifts. They may be different, some of you may have the gift of hospitality. Some of you may have the gift of serving, of teaching, faithfulness. That's a spiritual gift. Discernment, leadership, evangelism, mercy. Maybe you're an encourager. That's a spiritual gift. All distinct, all important. None more important than the others. Now, St. Paul writes in a sister chapter of Scripture to 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans chapter. 
chapter 12, a chapter where he also uses the metaphor of the human body to describe the church. Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measures of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We all have our marching orders, so to speak, from the head of the body, our team captain, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the words of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all nations by the power of the Holy Spirit that others may be connected to that one true body. Takeaway number four is we look at what differences the resurrected life make in our lives as a part of the body of Christ, and it's this. We are united by our love for one another. Now, that's never going to happen perfectly. We're going to never love each other perfectly on this side of glory. But Paul writes in our text, picking up at verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, sometimes we hear today, and maybe sometimes each of us maybe feel this way at times ourselves. Well, with all the advances in technology and all the different ways that we can listen and hear God's Word, is there still a value in joining corporately together or on a regular basis in worship? Sometimes you even hear that amongst the most churched generations. Um, One might say that, hey, I can listen to a variety of sermons online or by other means. There's a lot of ways we can listen to our favorite hymns, uh, sing our favorite contemporary praise songs. The following statement's not an untrue statement. You might say, well, going to church does not save me. All the above can be true. But with the exception of shut-ins and circumstances that at times preclude all of us from worship, corporate worship, there is such a value. And this is really what Paul is saying. There is such a value in joining together physically and spiritually as we can as the body of Christ. To come together, to gather around word and sacrament for praise and worship, service, and fellowship. Now, by virtue of what I have the privilege to work with in a large part of my ministry here at St. Michael Luther in the area of pastoral care, I get to see and hear stories daily of God's people, members of the body of Christ, God working through them, helping others in need. Uh, The joys, the testimonies, the stories, the observations, there's so many. People in the body that are touched by individuals or groups or the whole body. It could be reaching out to someone who's going through a spiritual crisis, an emotional crisis, relational, financial, health, whatever it may be. It might be a family that's going through a financial struggle because one of their breadwinners is out of work and the family of God kicks in materially, uh, spiritually, and otherwise. It's ministering to someone who's going through a very tough spiritual crisis or a family that just feels during this time they are just under attack by Satan. And there there are those times that you as an individual or a couple or as a family just may feel Satan is on the attack in your life and in your family. It's members taking time to be with and be there for someone who's reeling from a diagnosis that they just received on their child and they're just devastated. It's somebody that's fighting the good fight of faith and life against cancer being there to support spiritually and otherwise someone dealing with the ravages of dementia, someone struggling with diabetes, um, 
ministering and reaching out and being a support to someone who is just overwhelmed with the loving, burden, tough care of taking care of an aging parent and it's just all-consuming in their life. Someone who is just continuing to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and the, the sting and the pain of grief is so intense and it's just not getting better and it doesn't seem like there's any hope. Through those and many other situations, God works through you, through the members of the body of Christ and the prayers that are lifted up, the meals that are cooked and delivered, the anonymous gift cards that are purchased, the rides to the doctor and to the church that are given, the encouraging notes and cards that are mailed, the timely texts that are sent, the sharing of God's word and the prophetic discernment that takes place, the prayer shawls that are made and gifted. These and many other ways are how you how we, the body of Christ, God doing the doing, works to meet other people in the body who are hurting during a time of need. Praise God, there is such a value, isn't there, amen, to being a part of the body of Christ. And sometimes we don't realize it until we're going through one of those difficult valleys of life. And that really leads us to our fifth and final takeaway. What difference does the resurrected life make as we live life together in the body? And it's this. Not only are we united by our love for one another, we are united by our love for our awesome God. We are each part of the body of Christ, fearfully and wonderfully made by our awesome God. And the church is the body. It's the body of Jesus gathered together around word and sacrament for worship and fellowship and service and support and to be called to mission. As I wrap up here, as we go back to my opening illustration where I was sharing different facts uh, about the human body and the marvel that that is. And again, it's the metaphor that Paul uses so often to describe the church. I mean, let's be honest. We can live without an eye. We can live without an ear. We can live without some hair. We can live without some teeth. We can live without certain organs. We can live without a limb. may not be ideal, but we can do it. But it's been said there's three parts of the body you can't live without. Can't live without a brain. Can't live without a heart. Can't live without a lung. To use Paul's metaphor, you and I, we may be an ear, an eye, a toe, a foot, an elbow, a funny bone, whatever. We're somewhere, okay? But it's been said that God is the brain, the heart, and the lung. Let me just unpack that a second. The human body, the brain directs the operation, the functions of the body. The brain constantly sends out messages to different parts of the body of what needs to be done. Similarly, it's been said that in the body of Christ, God the Father functions much as the brain. He sends out direction to the other parts of the body of what needs to be done. We sometimes miss his messages. Sometimes we always don't get his message and his timing. But God is the Father is like the brain sending out the message. So if God the Father's brain, then God the Son, Jesus, is the heart. The one who gave it all for you and me. And in the human body, the heart, of course, pumps the blood that goes out to the various parts of the body. And the heart of the body, the heart of the church will always be strong because it's the heart of Jesus, right? And Satan is going to want to throw all kinds of heart attacks at the church all the time. Individual bodies, a congregation like this, the worldwide body of Jesus Christ. Satan is out there ready to throw his heart attacks, but the church will always withstand each and every heart attack because it's the heart of Jesus. So if God the Father is like the brain and God the Son is like the heart, then it's been said that God the Holy Spirit, the breath of God himself, would be like the lungs, right? Lungs supply oxygen to the blood, pumped by the heart at the direction of the brain. 
the Holy Spirit will always give to his church the spiritual oxygen necessary to carry out the work of the body. What a blessing it is to be a part of the body, the body of Christ, and the difference that the brain, the heart, and the lungs, the difference that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit makes in our lives individually and as a body here. May we seek to grow and expand in that body, to grow this body, that others who don't know Jesus may come to know the power of living the resurrected life in the resurrection power and grace of Jesus. In the name of him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.